but it was based on the Powhatan tribe, Pocahontas's tribe. And it was like a shared dining experience within Animal Kingdom. That was my project. They said it was the first time somebody submitted a project with rabbit fur on the back of the menu. Hey, DCL Duo fans, just a couple of quick notes before this evening's bonus episode. First, as you listen to the episode this evening, you may think, this sounds like it was recorded a few months ago, and you'd be right, it was recorded a few months ago. It was meant to be a companion bonus episode to a show we did with Michaela and her husband a few months back, and it just got lost in the shuffle of all of the news that was coming out and the other bonus shows that we put out, but we wanted to make sure we got this show out because we wanted you to be able to hear about Michaela's experiences both in Imagineer and working with Universal Creative. So as you listen to the show, it may sound like it was recorded a few months ago. It was. Just uh, know that we still think the content is really fun and that Michaela was a great guest and so wanted to put this bonus edition out. Second, as always, we want to thank our amazing sponsors over at Touring Plans Travel. We use Touring Plans Travel to plan some of our own vacations and we love Touring Plans Travel for one reason and that's because Lynn Testa, who started Touring Plans, really has a philosophy of putting the guest over the product and, and ensuring the guest experience over the product and so we really, really love the experience that we have with our travel planner over at Touring Plans Travel and know you and your family will too. So if you want to support the show, head over to Touring plans.com slash travel to get a free quote on your next vacation. There's no cost to you to use Touring Plans Travel to plan a Disney vacation. Disney pays the travel agency. And so it's a great way to avoid those multi-hour waits that some people are experiencing on the phone right now and to get expertise and experience with planning a Disney vacation, learn some things you may not have. So we love Touring Plans Travel. Thank you for sponsoring the show Touring Plans. And now on to our episode. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's bonus episode of the DCL Duo podcast. And this week, we were having such a blast talking to Mikhail about her varied experience with Disney and Disney Cruise Line that we wanted to keep the conversation going. And so we've got a little bonus episode with Mikhail this week. And we wanted to focus on something that we mentioned or she mentioned briefly in the main episode, but that we were really excited to talk about, which was Mikhail's experience with Disney Imagineering. And side note, it's Sounds like also universal Imagineering. Well, they don't call it Imagineering. That's a Disney term, but so whatever, enough, whatever, enough, whatever Universal enough. calls it. Imagineering TM Disney. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> um, so so uh, anyway, but we wanted to talk to Mikhail about her experience because it's always interesting to hear what's going on behind the scenes at uh, at Disney and Universal. So, Mikhail, how did you get started into Disney Imagineering? That's where you started. How did you get started with? Yeah. Well, I sure know how to make a girl feel special. Thanks for having me on for the bonus episode. (laughs) So I've always been a Disney fan. And I remember my senior year of University of Maryland, I lived in an apartment with two other girls. And uh, my friend Jody and I shared a room. We had our beds in the same room. And then our friend Jessica had a separate bedroom. She paid more rent, obviously. And (laughs) I was reading the Imagineering Way book by the Imagineers. It's subtitle is Ideas to Ignite Your Creativity. They're just like kind of little words of wisdom or anecdotes from the Imagineers. I read a story um, and the signature said, Paul Comstock, Director of Landscape Architecture. And I was majoring in landscape architecture. And I said to my friend Jody, like, Oh my God, that'd be so cool. I want to talk to him. I want to work in Imagineering. And she said, Okay, then you will. And I was like, Well, it's not that easy. <laughs> and she was like, no, I think you will if you want to work there. 
So I was like, you know what? I'm going to call him. So, I mean, this like literally is in our apartment room. Call it a dorm room. It wasn't dorms, but that's pretty much what the situation was. And I was like, all right, fine. So this was like 2005, I guess. Yeah, 2000, early 2005. Or no, you know what? It was late 2004. How do you even go about getting his phone number? I must have like... That's why I'm trying to think, was Google a thing? But like, I, there was something. It must have been Google back then because I literally Googled it and like the his phone number came up. I don't know if it was Glendale's like main Amer- Imagineering line at the time or what. I don't even know if you can do this today. Like maybe, and Paul's probably retired, but um, I don't even know if you could do it. But I literally picked up the phone and I asked for him and they said, okay, who's calling? And I was like, oh, the, um, he doesn't know me, but my name's Mikkel. And I, I, I just wanted to talk to him. I'm a student. And then they like put me through. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> yeah, sure. We're going to put you through. And I was like, what? I spoke to him for 45 minutes. He was so nice. I told him my major. I told him about my love of Disney. I told him like that I really wanted to work in Imagineering. And he told me about this design competition called Imaginations. I think that competition still exists, but it's called something else now. And the purpose of the competition was to diversify their hiring, the ways they hire people. So you had to be in one of you know the listed majors to enter the competition, or you had to be in like one of the listed clubs. So the way that I got in was through the Society of Women Engineers, which I actually wasn't even an, an engineer. But <laughs> the, when I contacted them about the competition, they said that that would be the best way for me to get in. Um, so that's what I did. And I was like, oh my God, I need to send my submission in in like two months. And when I heard about the competition from Paul, he um, you know, was really enthusiastic about it, told me like kind of how it works and how they judge it and what happens. And then I realized now, or after I went through the competition, people had been like waiting for them, for their eligibility. Um, they had been like planning their projects for years and I like threw it together in like record time. I asked my professors if I could come back to the studio early so I could use the oversized printers so I could like print, you know, like four feet by three feet, even bigger probably posters and send them in. And Disney was really great. I could talk about this competition for a really long time, but <laughs> I will say that it was kind of, it was my foot in the door. I worked really hard. You have to make an experience of some sort, whether it's a hotel or attraction or, you know, whatever it is. I'm sure now it's like the sky's the limit, right? But at the time I did a an experience based on Pocahontas's tribe. I'm very sensitive to nomenclature around Native Americans, but it's funny because in America, they don't the general consensus I've heard straight from Native Americans is that they don't mind tribe. And then in Canada, they do. It's First Nation. So I like never really know what to say. But it was based on the Powhatan tribe, Pocahontas's tribe. And it was like a shared dining experience within Animal Kingdom. That was my project. They said it was the first time somebody submitted a project with rabbit fur on the back of the menu. <laughs> <laughs> and back then, you could, you could enter as an individual or a team. So I entered as an individual. And I ended up placing second internationally. Actually, the first, the person that placed first works at Disney, still a great guy. Uh, we all like kept in touch for a while. It was a really amazing experience. They flew us out to Glendale to Imagineering for like 
the most incredible week of going to the studios and R&D. Unfortunately, I was studying abroad in Costa Rica that summer. So I had to go from Costa Rica and the way the flights and everything worked out, I had to miss the R&D. But Everybody told me they saw the huge Yeti for Everest was in R&D then. Yeah. So they saw that. Was it working then? (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? That's like still the joke. By the way, the same thing with the anglerfish in the Nemo ride only works some of the time. So yeah, so I kind of got my foot in the door that way and then stayed in touch and you're kind of you're eligible for inter- internships after. You have to do the internship right after you graduate or while you're still in school. So I had to do it right after I graduated. So I moved to Orlando in January of 2006 and ended up interning with Master Planning, an amazing team down there and worked with five other guys that were like all sorts of different backgrounds, whether architecture or one guy was like in the army and knew GIS systems really well. So it was fascinating. And our office was behind Epcot. So behind the World Showcase, the main Imagineering building in Orlando or Lake Buena Vista, I should say. And yeah, because the other thing people are on a lot of trailers on site too for their offices sometimes. So, but I was in the main building. So it was amazing. Like once in a while, I'd stay late at work and you could, I knew it was nine o'clock because I could hear the fireworks and that was amazing and just really special. So, when you worked in Imagineering then, were, or in, when you were interning there, were you doing like landscape architecture stuff or was it more general Imagineering or what kinds of, what kinds of projects did you get to work on? Yeah. So, Master planning there does a few things. They have like uh, uh, all the plans for the property in general, not just the parks, but like the parcel of land that they know if you can build on it, they know who owns it, they know if it's a protected wetland kind of thing. So I got to see and kind of touch that. The um, part two of Pop Century was being developed then. So I worked with this guy, Tom, on the team to come up with concepts for what that could be. We actually, one of them was like a crew, like a land cruise thing that was cool. That's not what they did, obviously. I think it's the art of, of animation now, but we were concepting some of that. Other things that you would like never think of that are so cool and so why I love Disney. Like if a cell tower was going up, we would have to do a visual impact study and go in the parks and take photos and like put where the cell tower was going to be and like because they don't want you to see the cell tower while you're in Japan kind of thing. <laughs> so things like that were really cool. So that was kind of what the team at Master Plan- Planning did. And actually at the time, my boss, Dave Stofsick, who was amazing, was going back and forth to Shanghai to get the park with the government there. So when that was announced, obviously not too not recently, but not too long ago, I was like, oh my God, I like interned in 2006 and they were talking about it then and trying to get the deal then. So it was really interesting. So I didn't do landscape architect, but actually Ishmael Renzola, who was amazing, was the only on-staff landscape architect in Imagineering in Orlando because their main offices are Glendale. Universal Creative works a little differently. So he was right next door and he knew I was a landscape architecture major and really was fond of it. And he was just awesome. And like one day he called me and said like, oh, we're installing um, the tree where like Pride Rock is and the Safari and Animal Kingdom if you want to come. And really cool things. I ended up going to the press event. I don't even know how. I don't even remember how I was invited. It might have been through Ishmael, but um, for Expedition Everest. And that was really cool. I, I got to go to that opening. So 
it was like not like the main one, not like when I was working on the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, I went to those events. So it was not that, but it was like the media day, I think, for like news and reporters to come. And I had a cool VIP pass and I still have like the cast magazine or newspaper that comes out for all the cast members of Disney World, like <laughs> announcing Expedition Everest was opening. So it was really just like a dream come true and the most phenomenal experience. And then, you know, there's, I love talking to the people that did character plaster and character paint. And that's, you know, for anybody listening that doesn't know, it's really just like the theme painting and plaster that's applied. I do think Expedition Everest has like one of the most phenomenal applications of that anywhere in the park. I just, from an, from a landscape architecture aspect and theming, I Animal Kingdom is so special to me. It's won a lot of awards for landscape architecture. And it's just, I mean, beyond if, if you've been there, obviously, you know, I know you guys have, but if anybody listening has been there, it's just so special. So special. They did an incredible job. I, I totally agree. It's, it's funny because if you look at, for example, Disneyland Park, <laughs> the original park, now it's probably, you know, decent from a landscape architecture perspective. But when the park was first built, uh, I, you know, I've heard stories from folks about how they would just, they were looking for people donating trees because they didn't have any, Walt Disney didn't have any money left, right? And so they really didn't focus their design on landscape architecture. They were just sort of thinking about building the rides and building the castle and things like that and really didn't have the funds to to, to do much else. And so it was kind of a, a mishmash um, <laughs> is the best way to describe it of, you know, whatever plants they could just get to put around the park. And so um, I think the Jungle Cruise is a really good example of that, that the kinds of plants you see in, uh, on the Jungle Cruise ride in California, they don't really make any sense. So... <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and Jungle Cruise is so singularly Disney to me. Like with him, you know, with him, the god Walt Disney himself, you know, imagineering it. And and yeah, so it's interesting to see it going through, you know, revisions and stuff now, which I totally understand. And I think it's important. And that Walt Disney himself would, you know, of support if he were alive today. So yeah, that's a good point you bring up about the landscape architecture and everything for that, for that ride. <laughs> well, and Michaela, at some point you transition out of Disney and over to Universal. From your note to us uh, pre-recording our last episode with you, you mentioned that you were in fact working in part on the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And <laughs> I'm curious, what was that like? Can I ask the question of how long were you at Disney Imagineering? Because you interned there and then I presume, did you come on as a regular employee after your internship and for how long? Yeah. So my internship was about six months and I wanted a job there so badly, but it's like, you know, construction jobs, all of the theme park world is, and they weren't hiring for anything that actually they weren't really hiring at all at the time. So I took a job with luxury real estate company. They were building, actually Reunion Florida was built by this company, the Ging Company, Bella Colina, if anybody knows Bella Colina in the Orlando area. So their offices were actually in celebration. So I decided to stay and take that job and I rented an apartment in celebration. So I lived in celebration for a while. <laughs> it's funny, celebration is not that big. It's not small, but it's not that big. It's really part of Kissimmee. And um, it took me like 15 minutes to get to work because the speed limit is like 20 miles an hour and you cannot go faster than that. It's very um, like white picket fence, Stepford Wives Town, and you <laughs> will get a ticket, especially if you're commuting to work when like people are going to school. 
So work was not that far away, but it still would take like 15 minutes to get there. (laughs) And on a map, it's actually like very close to Disney World, but it still takes a while to get there because of the speed limits. But I worked there. And then when the markets crashed in 2008, luxury real estate was not a great part, a great company to (laughs) be in. So they did a bunch of layoffs. And then I was able to interview with Universal Creative, which is basically their version of Imagineering. And Universal Creative was switched um, their headquarters to Orlando years before, whereas Imagineering is the opposite. So they have more job opportunities and such in Orlando, and that's their main hub. So I got my foot in the door as a temp working for one of the VPs there. He's still a VP. He's great. They like me so much, luckily, that um, when they had a full-time position, um, I ended up on the team for phase one of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Phase one is um, the part of the park at Islands of Adventure. It's Hogsmeade. And then Diagon Alley in the other park, Universal Studios, is phase two, actually. So I didn't work on phase two. I worked on phase one. But um, I was there from about 2008-ish to 2010. It was actually a really small team that was in charge of building the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and they subcontract out like their vendor stuff. There's a few like really popular companies in Orlando that they work with for fabrication and everything. So I would say if anybody really wants to work for Imagineering, it's actually not the only way to work Imagineering or for Universal Creative. Like you won't be called an Imagineer necessarily, but um, if you want to like be on site every day working inside the parks, there's actually many companies that you can you can do it through. And when I was interviewing for jobs in 2008, like there were even more like that work on you know themed entertainment in Vegas, you know for the cruises, all that stuff. So there's just so many incredible ways to do it, and. A lot of these people, <laughs> the companies were started by former Imagineers, <laughs> so, you know, which they proudly say on their about page. So it's very easy to find those companies and it's not the only way in. But yeah, I worked on The Wizarding World of Harry Potter. It was a small team of like 25 of us, maybe. I was the youngest person on the team. So I had my hands in a lot of stuff. People knew like if they wanted something done, that was like kind of, you know, any not anybody could do it, but like somebody like me that... And whether it was like a window mock-up in Photoshop or keeping documents, I knew how to read um, CAD drawings, AutoCAD from my major. And so they kind of like put me in document control. So I was the keeper of all that stuff. If somebody needed one of the plans, they would come to me. That's how I got into more and more into photography. I was taking all the progress photos of all of the parts of the park and they all like all the buildings were given numbers. So I had all the folders organized by number, like the owl, owlry had a number, same thing with honeydukes, all that stuff. So that was a really fascinating world to be a part of. And they say that like many jobs and careers in the world, like entertainment like that is very incestuous. So people just like move back and forth between universal creative and imagineering, depending on where the jobs are. Depending upon who's building. (laughs) That's exactly right. Yeah. And they say like, you know, I think a lot of people look at it as like a rivalry between universal and Walt Disney World. And then we all like know those people that think they're the same park actually, (laughs) but they're not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why doesn't my annual pass work at universal? Right. (laughs) They like can't grasp the concept. They're two separate companies or anything, but you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. All a rising tide lifts all ships. So it was it was great. Like when one thing was working for Universal Creative, like then it would spark projects at Walt Disney World and really just tourism overall in Orlando was good for everybody. So 
so I have a couple of maybe sort of almost rapid fire like questions <laughs> that I wanted to ask you, which is one, I assume you've been to both Wizarding World and Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Am I right? I have. Yeah. Is there a clear favorite for you from a design perspective or anything that you see between the two of them that you find sort of interesting from that point of view? I think they're both incredible. They've done an amazing job. I think Universal really stepped it up with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter like they never had before. I think they needed to. And I think a lot of that was because we had to clear everything with J.K. Rowling's team. And they were really strict, which I think was a really good partnership. It really just elevated the experience for everybody. And the teams that they had were incredible. Um, In Star Wars, Galaxy's Edge, like my favorite parts are just the areas that you can walk down and they've really put you in wherever the place is. There's like one area that you can, it's like just a walkway, but there's like things overhead. There's like two restrooms on one side I'm thinking of. And then like the stores, the, the yeah, sort of yeah, shop the area. Sort of market yeah. area. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Things like that. It's just like an area people walk down, but it's so well done. And I know the props master that like was in charge of that because it's the same guy that was in charge of it for Harry Potter, Eric Baker. He's incredible. Um, He actually has a background working for Jim Henson and like him and his team build so much of that from scratch, but they also go to like flea markets and vintage shops around the world and they, you know, find the right people to carve these things. So there's like a wooden Chewbacca carving head, like sitting on one of the shelves. And it's just amazing. Um, And I think it takes somebody that really has a love for Imagineering and Universal Creative to stop and look at it and be like, oh my God, like they got that made. Somebody made that. And I actually, I texted him. I said, this is incredible. And he, you know, told me where they got it and he was really proud of it. And he's always, you know, happy to share information. He's just an amazing guy. But things like that, yeah, that I think are done really well in both areas. They're just different. I think part of the reason with uh, Harry Potter as a series was so successful was because the level of detail and the storytelling that she was able to tell just like George Lucas was able to tell with Star Wars. So I don't think one is better than the other. I think they're both equally done very well. I actually like Diagon Alley a little bit better than Hogsmeade Village. I think they did like Nocturne Alley is just insane in there. Like they built that mermaid um, skeleton from scratch. Like the team's just incredible. So all the details like that. I mean, I could spend hours in there. And actually when I was an intern, because I'm such a dork, I would just go around and like take photos of details, like the character plaster, like what the stamp was in there. And like, if you go to um, to the Magic Kingdom where they redid like Dumbo years ago, there's like peanuts in the concrete. And my friend told me like one of the interns was like carving those peanuts out of concrete to throw in the ground and the pavement. Somebody had to make them, right? <laughs> like I would have loved doing that. <laughs> so <laughs> just like that level of detail. Yeah, we had a friend who was telling us, I forget where it was, Sam, you might remember, but the throwing the ice chips into the concrete as it set so that it had the pock marking in it intentionally to make it look worn. So the ice would melt and the concrete would settle with the pock marks in it. I, I mean, it's yeah, it's yeah. next level when you're thinking about how do I make this walkway fit with the theming? Uh huh. Right. How do I make it look? <laughs> how do I make it look like it's not brand new? Yeah. Yeah, it was in um, it was in Pandora, I believe. I find it really interesting the direction that the theme parks are headed now with these like really immersive lands, which I, I would actually say starts all the way back with what we affectionately call Cars Land and Disneyland. Because mm-hmm. um, walking through that Great land, yeah, mm-hmm. walking through that space is immersive in a way that going to Pixar Pier, you know, I guess it feels like you're on the boardwalk at Atlantic City, maybe or something like that, but or, or Coney Island, but, but you're not in a movie. 
Yeah, you're not in the movie. Yeah, Cars Land really, I, when you're walking down that main drag, you feel like you're in Radiator Springs and it's it's pretty impressive. So to see them heading that direction, I'm really fascinated to see like what's the next franchise they do that with. I am curious, Mikhail, since we're a Disney Cruise Line focused podcast and you've been on a number of Disney cruises, you know, taking again that lens of the Imagineer, I don't know if you've done the Art of the Theme Ship tour or not, but what are the, some of the details that stood out for you on the ships that you've you've been on uh, from a design standpoint? Yeah, I'm constantly looking for Easter eggs on the ship because there's so many, right? So like we were talking about Remy and like finding a mouse, not a fake one, obviously, a Remy mouse in the chandelier or glass slippers, right? And like in the royal table room. It's not called that. I'm calling it the wrong thing, but... Yeah, royal palace or royal court, you. depending upon which <laughs> ship, yeah. <laughs> the glass slippers up there or, um, you know, our, the Art Deco design of the atrium and the chandelier and like just finding those details. Even when you go to the terminal at Port Canaveral, the Disney Cruise Line letters are Art Deco, very much on purpose. You know, thinking of like going through the yellow and very dark gray, almost black ears when you, you know, your, your number is called. And even the glass has, you know, etched the Mickey silhouette with the waves behind it, the Disney Cruise Line emblem. There's just like no shortage. And that's part of why I love the Disney Cruise Line experience because there's just no detail was overlooked. And one of my favorite things is actually like being in port and then you see the people repainting things and knowing how much love and care they go, they give to the ship, even when they dry dock it and kind of like re-carpet or whatever. You know, like I love the champagne lounge. I love pink with like all the cool glass that they have in there that was obviously custom done and, and the, you know, white and pink elements in there. I think that's amazing. I love like the play on the champagne. I think that's awesome. They're just, they're just such masters. I've never formally done the art of the ship tour, but I have gotten a VIP tour of it before when it was in port by one of the Imagineers that worked on a lot of it. I mean, just blown away. That was actually my first glimpse of Disney Cruise Line was they took us like kind of on an intern field trip. There were like only three or four of us at the time and took us over there to see the ship. And I was just like, I died and gone to heaven. It was just amazing. That's why like, I went on the first Disney Cruise Line experience with other Imagineering interns because we were like, all right, well, now we have to go sailing on this. So yeah, um, I love the bars. Like I, there, there are parts that I don't think are like so great. Like Meridian up there, like, meh, you know, it's a bar. <laughs> oh, we love Meridian. We love oh, Meridian. I love getting a drink there, but like the theming, right? Like the yeah, theming, enough, it's a yeah. bar, right? Like it could be on any cruise ship. Well, except for me, it harkens back to what do they call it? The Explorers Club that they used to have that kind of a theme where you feel like I'm, you know, yeah, but I, I hear you. It feels like kind of... It doesn't of, have Disney real, like it, it doesn't feel like Disney themed. It's, yeah, well, it's it, more... Feels like, it feels like Ron Burgundy, right? Right, like, right. It's like leather old, bound volumes on right, my shelf and deep right. mahogany. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like I old mean, world wooden leather, exactly. Yeah. The uh, Revolutionary at the time that the ships were built, like the animation dinner, like that it goes from black and white to color over the course of the meal. I'm not crazy about like the... um crush like experience that they like took the crush experience from Epcot and decided to like blow it up everywhere they could, including on the cruise ship. I think it's cute for kids, but like a little overdone, but I get it. Like it's an animated character. It kind of made sense there. Um, it's cute. It's gimmicky. I like, I, like, I like it, but I also, it's, I think I, I like it more because I know how much our son loves it. Uh, my favorite is the, the, the animation magic, magic show yeah. that, that they do. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Although I'm, I'm a big proponent of the new show 
ship not having an animator's palette on it and having something different because I'm 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 not sure. Like I'd like to have something that's like animators palette, something innovative and fun, but I just don't want them to replicate the same experience on the new ship. I think it's an opportunity to do something new. So which leads me, Mikhail, to a question for you, which is with the Disney Wish coming out, what's one experience that if if you could wave a wand, which is I guess a good analogy for Disney podcast, if you could wave a wand and create some sort of onboard experience that, that we haven't seen on a Disney ship, what, what would it be for you? Ooh, what a great question. The first thing that came to mind was actually like an innovative photography experience for couples that are on the ship that could feel like it's their version of a bibbidi-bobbidi boutique and feel like, I hesitate to say prince and princess because I think it's like aging, like what the concept would be. But that would be really cool and special. And the king yes, and queen thank experience. You. Yes. Thank the you. Experience. Yeah. Feeling experience. like royalty. I think like people would eat that up if they did it right. And they could, you know, we they love the merch. Um, and to yes. upsell. So we like, love the merch too. Yeah. They could do a lot of cool things with that. Also, like tying in like a Club 33 concept or so many Disney spring stores that like cater towards adults like sort of dressing up. I I almost think like cosplay a little bit, but you know your audience, I think that would play really well with the Disney fans. So that would be a really interesting thing. I think any experience on Disney Cruise Line that would bring a storyline in, you know, I don't know if it's like a cooking experience that could be really cool or like tying in if there was an excursion like that you went fishing, deep sea fishing during the day, but then you cooked it at night, like closing that loop kind of thing could be really interesting. Well, the only problem with the adult uh, Bibbidi Boppity Boutique is the, you know, if it's if it's aimed at parents, they always die in the Disney movies. So that would be an, 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 <laughs> an, uh, <laughs> not a great outcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Hey, if there's one thing I know for Disney, it's the parents don't live. So uh, <laughs> that's how they set up every character for their for at their least story one arc. Of them, at least one of yeah. them. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's not true for uh, Tangled. Uh, they 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 lived, didn't right. they? Right, they do, yeah. and she re- well she reunites with them, but she has to, but not until she's an adult. So then spoiler they're constantly alert. looking over their shoulder because yeah. it's oh, not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> tangled. Sorry, I just ruined it for you. <laughs> well, Mikhail, it's been great talking to you from the lens of a designer about uh, about Imagineering and the parks and Disney Cruise Line. Uh, we know from your from our main show that you maintain a travel blog and a cruising blog. Do you want to, uh, you and Dan, actually, your, your husband, do you want to share with folks how they can find you and connect with you online? As well as for your wedding photography. Um, yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah, it's sometimeshome.com, plural sometimes. And then sometimesailing.com because we're sailing on cruises. So that's two S's, sometimesailing.com. And then MikkelPage.com is my photography. So it's M-I-K-K-E-L-P-A-I-G-E.com. Bunch of Disney Cruise Line stuff on there too. So Yeah, we can't wait to have you back, Mikhail. Once the ship starts sailing, we've loved having you on and hearing all of your thoughts and experiences. So thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, there you have it. A little behind the scenes peek of what it's like to work as a Disney Imagineer and over at Universal Creative and a little behind the scenes on Harry Potter World over at Universal Studios. So, so much fun having Mikhail on the show and really excited to have her and her husband back at some point. In fact, we just recently recorded an episode with Mikhail and Dan about a great experience they had on a Windjammer cruise. So that'll be coming out soon. Stay tuned. 
Loved having them on. Be sure to head over, check out their blog, Sometimes Sailing, Sometimes Home. Both uh, great blogs, both great travel blogs, great photography, courtesy of Mikhail, who is a wonderful photographer herself. So with that, I do want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening to our bonus episode this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us those five-star reviews. We love hearing from our listeners, love reading them on the air on our main shows. So if you want to hear your review on the air, head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us those five-star written reviews. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. Also join our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. We do have some plans for some more video coming up, so head over there, subscribe, youtube.com slash dclduo. If you'd like to be a supporter of the show, you can head over to touringplans.com slash travel. Let them know the DCL Duo sent you and book a fabulous vacation with touring plans, or you can head over to patreon.com slash dclduo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We do appreciate each and every one of our patrons out there. Thank you for supporting the show. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney Family of Theme Parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney Cruise or a Disney Vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Bye.